people want to fix it or they yeah. want to blame. So it's like, well, I, don't, I feel triggered. I feel angry. They blame. You're making me angry. It's like, no, no one else can make you angry apart from yourself. You know, so instead of going from anger to blame or anger to fix or whatever it is, emotion to blame, emotion to fix, go emotion to why. Why is the, the next step for sure always? It's why am I feeling triggered? Oh, because I don't believe in what he's believing in or what he's saying. I think that it's wrong. Why do you think it's wrong? And then question yourself before you question them. Mm. And really, like, it's hard to do in the heat of a moment. But if you can see that um, before you jump, and that's with everything, like with sadness, with depression, everybody wants to be fixed, but they don't want to know why. Yeah. And some people wonder why and they don't know how. That's yeah. like another step. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah. Because you're currently studying, um, <laughs> you're currently studying psychology. I'm studying counseling. At counseling. Yeah. Um, I've done. I have sat with a a man who used to run a counter terrorist um, uh, a counter terrorist unit. He was a commander, um, and he ran shamanic workshops. And I sat with him for three years. So he's. Um, What's a shamanic workshop? He teaches shamanism, so yep. um, indigenous shamanism from from here, from, from Australia, country, and also from the American Ute people in Northern America. Okay, um, and he was a soldier, obviously, before uh, first, and um, he went up through the ranks and ended up becoming a c- commander for um, a counterterrorist unit. Um, and his leadership is something that stuck with me, and it's it's amazing because the way he speaks to people and everything. Um, and that's kind of sent me on a massive spiral to study counselling. I do read up on a lot of psychology. I'm mm. looking at either studying psychology or Ayurveda. Um, I think psychology intrigues me. But I think we're in an age of information where you don't exactly need to study that. It doesn't mean I wouldn't. But mm. to me, Ayurveda, I don't know a whole heap about it. But I've listened to a lot of people speak about it. Um, and I think I wanted to do psychology because it's a stamp of approval and it's more recognized, westernized, and people would be like, oh, they're more accepting of it. Yeah. But recently, my own values are going, what do I think is going to be better to give to people? Yeah, completely. I, I have a mentality which, mm, I don't know, uh, people sometimes disagree with in terms of why do I create art mm. or why do I do this? Why, why am I doing this? And it's like, I couldn't care less if I only have three people listen to this because if one of those people gets something out of it that potentially changes their life, saves them, or sets them up with a new thought process that they hadn't had before, then that's worth it. Yeah. I could not care less about the millions and billions of people that give me money because look at me, I'm making a podcast. But yeah. what does my actions do towards even just one person yeah and i feel like if you were to go down that road yeah okay tick of approval psychology yay yeah but if you were to do something that is meaningful for you you're probably going to have a greater effect to the individual even if the uh academics might not Mm. give you the stamp of approval hey like you said we're in such a big world where things are changing yeah and that westernized medicine I, i call it medicine yeah but um, it doesn't mean it's the only way. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's And if what you were saying is like you don't care about the money, you just want to touch people, something Tom Hardy says is passion. Yeah. 
action and noble intention, you know? Yeah. And if you do those things and you really, say you just really want to help people, the money will come because I think you need value for yourself and you get paid because you're valued. If you do something for free, people don't value it as much, but you do it because you love it. You do it because you care about people because you like having conversations and you want to talk to people. That's the most important thing. And that's something that I've come to terms with. It was psychology was something that still intrigues me. And I, li- I read up heaps on psychology. I've constantly listened to podcasts of psychologists. We're in the age of information where when Marcus Aurelius was a Roman empire, uh, a Roman empress or em- emperor, um, he wouldn't have been exposed to as much information as we are. We have so much stuff at our disposal. We can look at so many things and people take that for granted. They think, oh, you need, a, you need to go through four years of study. What if you independently studied for four years? What if yeah. you did the work, you were constantly studying, you were doing, say you worked a normal day, eight hours, but you did that studying. You might not be getting paid for it, but you're working just as hard. Yeah. That's just as beneficial as going and studying. It's about your effort and about how much you want to put into it. And I think the noble intention, right? And how much how much passion you have for that. And your action. Like you obviously have to take steps to get there. You can't just study. I think you also have to be constantly evolving, taking courses. Um, and you do need stamps of approval for certain things to go down pathways. Like you want to be a doctor, you just have to study. That's just how it is. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, if you're going like, to be touching my leg in an yeah. operation, you better bloody know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. But it's just which, like, do you want to do Eastern medicine, Western medicine? Yes. You can, do, you can do anything. That's exactly it. And I think people get lost in that. They go, oh, well, this is what everyone thinks is really good, but my heart's in this or mm. my heart's in that. Well, follow your heart because if you really listen to yourself and follow your heart, the money's going to come. Like I think if you fixate on money too much, well then it kind of, it could come to you and it's not like it won't, but you might lose your soul in the process. Yeah, it will come to you, but you you put other things above it. Like so the value of actually being with good people and having great conversations, mm. you know, great, I can pay my bills. That's all that I really care about. But when I've got my time off, I'm able to enjoy life and I put my energy towards the right things Yeah. versus working nine to five, that's where all my energy goes. Mm. That's not my life. That's not, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I want to make sure my priority is family, friends, and actually living. Mm. Because one day I'm going to be dead in the ground and I had better actually have done yeah. fun things with my life and actually be able to look back and say, that was worth it. Yeah, totally. I'm glad I pursued that. Mm. And, it's, and all you have is, is those memories. Like you can have the most luxurious house, cars, um, accessories and all those things and they might be fun and nice but when you're an older man or an older woman an older person um, and you're reflecting on your life all you're going to have is the memories you could still be in a massive house but if you're um, disappointed or you're shamed of your memories that is stuck with you until you pass Yeah. so if you want to look at that um, flashback of your life and when you're reflecting Forget about all those materialistic things, all those things that you think will um, make other people like you or make other people appreciate you. What do you appreciate for yourself? And I think a lot of people get caught up in that tribe mentality where they don't they don't really know what they value. They value what the group values because the group has a collective consciousness. But are you really thinking from your consciousness? Yeah. And I think that's when people get... Um, uh, they get ostracized by themselves from the group because they're thinking independently and they're going, oh, I have completely different thoughts to them. Yeah. I don't believe those things. But 
accept that, believe that, and accept them and believe them. Because it's okay for people to think differently than you. And when you can really come to terms with it and mm. you're like, no, nah, I love that I believe that and I love that nobody believes what I believe. Because I've had these problems and I've gone, oh, my God, I'm an outsider. You know, mm. I'm on the outskirts of town just playing between borders of this community and myself. Um, but when you can come to terms with and maybe you live just inside their borders, but you are out on your own little hut um, and you love your hut and you love where you are. But you love coming into town and talking to everyone, but you're different. You're like the the shaman of the town, or if you want to yeah, say. Yeah. Um, but you don't care. People look at you strange. People think what you say is a bit weird. But they know that you're um, authentic. They know that they can't rattle your cage. They know that you are who you are and you accept who you are. They might still judge you, but there's that presence. And if you can really just listen to me and own it, People respect that subconsciously or consciously. They respect that and they really um, admire it. And some people might be jealous, you know, they might really envy it as well. Mm. But that's powerful in, in um, honouring yourself and really owning that. I think that could be scary though for quite a lot of people. Mm. I mean, going back to like that conversation of you're the lion and learn how to be aggressive, some people are way too scared to even mention to their friendship groups that they have a different opinion because mm. they know that they're going to be ostracized. Yeah. And then what happens? What I mean, what happens to someone emotionally and mentally when they've lost their foundation or what they thought was their foundation within a group, mm. their identity, they've lost their identity because they said, I've got a different opinion to all of you. And then yeah. suddenly they're excommunicated. Mm. And that can be so detrimental to somebody's, especially for younger people. Mm who are still developing, figuring out what and who they are in the world. And it's fine for me. I'm, I don't want to say I'm old. I'm not old. But I've got my shit together. Mm. But for someone who doesn't, I mean, I can imagine that would be just a terrible situation. And they just would spend, how many years would they spend never actually getting to know who they really are because of the fear of losing people? Mm. Right, and I see that so much. I see so many people. But I would say, though, I don't see it much here within my circle, within, say, the eastern suburbs, but then you watch the news, like people in America or even other countries in the UK, and they they voice their opinions, and now it's just the left and the right. Yeah. Extreme, extreme. Yeah. But it's not, I don't really think it is that extreme, but it still shows you Mm. kind of what I'm trying to say. Yeah, definitely. And, um... It's hard at a young age. I, I went through it. Um, I, yeah. I, I, I have friends that I love that I don't see as much, but that's because I want to surround myself around different things. I still love them just as much as I've, I ever have. Um, I still love being around them. I still love being with them, but I spend a lot of time by myself because if I don't, I'm not going to get to where I want to be yeah. quicker. And because you need, to, if you want to be a certain person, you need to be surrounded by a certain environment to continue that process. And if you want to make it quicker and you want to get there faster, but in saying is it's really hard to, to change that identity, to change that persona, or even change that group. There's a thing that I like to say, you have to rupture and repair. You know, you have to break down before you break through. Yeah, it's like working out. Quote, but I can't remember who it is. Someone in Greenland. Um, yeah, but in that process, it's like you break down and you go, I'm so different from these people, man, but I really love them. Um, well, it's like that's okay. You can still love them from a distance. You don't have to be next to everybody that you love all the time. You might see them once a month, once a week, 
or like once every few months. But show them that same love. Don't lose that for them. But show yourself that same love as well and find people that are on that path. It doesn't mean that you're um, an outsider. It mm. means that you're, you've gone off yeah. on your own journey and you're going to go find people who are on the same journey as you are. And you're going to find those people and then you might break away from them because you need to find other people. And it's not because you're neglecting that certain group or it's not because you don't love them and you're just abandoning them. It's because maybe you have that um, nomadic instinct and you need to keep finding different groups because yeah. you could say you do the whole circle you go around the whole of australia and you come back to sydney and you have all this experience and you actually change the minds of everybody that was in your first group you you, you can and even if it's like i said maybe it's only one person but out of the 10 people you only then end up with one friend but that's the best friend you're probably going to have for life because yeah. you both get each other yeah you know? yeah totally and it was worth it because you grow i mean i think i've grown so much from the fun exploring I've done of the world. Um, but I am over the moon that my mentality changed because I had one person kicking my ass the entire time talking to me and helping me grow. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to do this. What do you think? Go for it. Go. Yeah. Everyone else slowly moved away and got on with their own lives. But it was just the best thing. And how can we try and motivate people to do that? And I don't think everyone can. I don't think everyone's got the capacity. I might be wrong. Hmm. I think there's only a few people who've got that bravery. Is that yeah, I think everybody has it. It's just you how reckon? do you unlock it in a different way? There's a famous quote by Peter Crone. He's like, what happened to you happened. Why? Because it happened and it couldn't have happened any other way. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a blessing, you know, because yeah. it's shaped you for who you are, the characteristics, the persona. It's like if you look at yourself as a Jenga block of a building mm. and um, you took out the pain, you took out all your fears, all your inadequacies, all the hard times, the bullying, the sadness, it would collapse on the floor like a disaster. And without all those things... Yeah, you need it. You need that because that's your integrity. That's It's like why do you... like? There's people who've been bullied extensively and it was horrible, horrific. Maybe they got beaten um, physically and mentally. Mm. But without that, like they could be the most compassionate, kind and caring people. Why? Because they know what it feels to feel pain. Yeah. And to feel pain and suffering is growth. And I think every human needs to suffer. And that doesn't mean they need extensive suffering, but they need to suffer to an extent to grow. It's like when you do the most growth is when you're in a state of um, not resistance, but like you're stretching, like a rubber band. It's yeah. stretching, it's stretching, it's stretching, it snaps. What does it snap? Because you're going up, you're going somewhere else. But yeah. you, you got to stretch a little bit first. And if you're constantly in the comfort zone, well, you're going to stay in the comfort zone forever. Yeah. And some people want to. Because yeah. there was a, I was talking to someone last night and um, just, just trying to navigate a situation where they're, wanting to give advice to another friend and what to do and da, da 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 and I just said like and I'm asking you what your opinion is about this when you try and give advice to your friend how should you do that I think the best advice is no advice there's two yeah. rules that I really live by by that commander and he told me no judgment and no advice and that's what he ran in his workshops but Instead of giving advice, you speak from experience. And another thing that I've kind of picked up on the last couple experience of years. Experience is different than advice. Because yeah. you know, like, unless you've lived it yourself, then yeah. what right do you have? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I would 
say what I said to that person because I have done that myself. Yeah. But I would I would turn it into this is what I did for me mm. and leave it there. Yeah, for sure. And then instead of you can have all the right intentions, all the love, but I feel like oh, like say, hey Pat, you really shouldn't do hang around those friends because they're no good for you. Um, a, a lot of people don't like being told what to do. No, they shut down, don't they? Shut down completely. So instead, I think it's open-ended questions. It's mm. like, how do you feel with those friends? I don't feel good. Why don't you feel good? Mm-hmm. You know, and you kind of question them subtly and conversationally. And then just pry them open in some sense and kind of... So where do you see yourself being with these friends? How do you feel around them? Um, do you feel like they really love you? You know, do you really love them? Um, what's your relationship like with your friends compared to your family or compared to people that are really close to you? Um, where do you think that your friends can take you? Not that you use your friends or anything, but it's like, where do you think these relationships are taking you? Do you think they're for the better yeah. or for the worse? And they might be stubborn and say, yes, of course. But you, I think prying people open and bringing them to their own realisation. Their own, their own conclusion. Yeah, and that's way more powerful and profound because when yeah. you figure something out by yourself, it's like if your mum's always tying your shoelaces, you're never going to learn how to tie your shoes. Yeah. But if you figure out how to do it, well, that's empowering as a little as a little person, um, as anyone. So I think it's bringing them to their own conclusion and just questioning, but not um, in uh, not like in an interrogation. No, no. And just saying, hey, man, like I just want to. Not even you don't even have to. You can just ask it and then maybe talk and listen. I think listening is really powerful. And not listening to the words they say, listen to the words in between. Yeah, big time. You know? Big time. Because there's there's pauses and you look at their acuity of how their oh their eyes are moving and their breath. Or their breath. And yeah. you're like, okay, well, maybe you can pick up where they're maybe lying or where they're not being completely honest and then saying, like, does this ring true to you? Yeah. Do you feel like you're being honest with yourself? And not challenging it too much, but I no, think just questioning just it. Just enough. You know? And then and then even after, just say, hey, man, like, I just, I really love you. Like, I really appreciate you. Um, I just want you to think about some of the things I said because I care about you and I care about your future. And I think when you show love and you really show that you care in that sense where it's not you should do this, it's just I'm here to support you, um, people come around way quicker. I do it with my family and I've, I've always been so forward and I, they're the people that I struggle the most with. There's, like, that famous... Um, uh, Zen master that says, if you think you're enlightened, spend a week with your family. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do a lot of work with them, but I, I can never get it right, you know. But with friends and people I don't know, I can listen perfectly and really yeah. hear them. And I think it's just I hear listening. You on that. Even if you listen, like people come to, if people come to you and they ask you, which is different, just listen. They'll be like, oh my God, he actually. Like, he actually listened. He didn't say a word. Like mm. you really let them get it all out and leave like a little bit of silence before saying something and they're like they'll be waiting around maybe but they're like oh my god you really heard me yeah it's a good thing to practice yeah yeah you have to actually really care though Mm. (laughs) you know which another thing i think is um it's hard to do sometimes for a lot of people if you don't get that care for yourself which i mean this is maybe swapping off track a little bit but it's that thing you said um once you get out of a group you gotta you gotta love yourself enough And be there for yourself enough and finding that balance of, all right, I'm I'm here for you right now for the next number of weeks that you're going through something, but you need to make sure your batteries are recharged. 
Yeah. And what does that look like for you? Yeah. And think about it. I mean, I know what it is for me and what I need to do for myself that recharges me. Otherwise, I'd be a, a mess. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's... um. I think it's the famous quote Marcus Aurelius says, treat the body rigorously um, to keep the mind from being disobedient. So it's like, what do you do to maintain your physical state, right? Mm. Where do you um, yeah, where do you come to sit and relax? Or do you come to sit and relax? Where Do you actually sit by yourself? It's like, okay, I just broke away from a few, huge friend group. I think everything happens for a reason. And sometimes things just happen, right? Like yeah. we just made tea, that just happened. It didn't happen for a reason. Um, but in saying that, it's like, okay, you broke away from a group. Maybe you need to be by yourself. And co- like, But that's hard. And, that but can I be think, really hard sometimes being in your own head. Yeah, I think it's really hard. But coming to terms, it's it seems really woo-woo. But to be like, not like, oh my God, it's all a blessing. But to be like, okay, this is really hard and trying for me right now. I don't have any friends, um, but I've got me. So I'm going to try and figure out how I can love myself and create that friendship within me. Mm. So, okay, I don't have friends right now. Great. I have all the time in the world to work with myself and to create that bond with myself. So what would I really want to do? Okay, I want to really go and play tennis or something that you can do by yourself, maybe not (laughs) tennis. Against the wall? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, you you do something that reconnects you with yourself yeah and if you can reconnect to yourself and actually connect not just Mm. oh i spent a lot of time and i was rattled the whole time which can happen and like i feel for that but if you can really connect and understand what brought you back up and i think journaling's great for that if you can journal when you're at your worst and you're like it's a lot it's really easy to journal when you're at your best because you're just on a high horse but if you can journal at your worst and then when you get to your best and you plummet a little bit and you go, oh, well, that's where I was at and that's how I got back. You can actually create a few steps to how you got there. Um, and I think that's really powerful because you yeah. can see, well, that's when I was at my worst and that's how I got out of that hole. Um, but, yeah, just finding your niche, your niche hobbies. What I think pe- there's like a six basic human needs. It's like love and connection. Um, it's an impact. It's contribution. It's connection. Um like your profession, what makes you tick? Like mm. what what do you really feel like? Like giving like and all those sort of things. Like how are you going to con- contribute to the world? What's your impact? Like where are you going to – maybe you just work at a corner store and you smile at everyone every day. People think impact's a huge thing. Impact's a very minimal thing. You um, give a compliment to an old lady yeah. watering her garden and saying that's so beautiful. That changes people's lives. Yeah, that's, you recognise the effort that other people are putting into something. Yeah. You call them and you say, hey – Great. Yeah. And think about that. It's like if you're exerting happiness all the time, you're telling people you're a beautiful person. Say so just tell everyone you see that that's having a bad day. Hey, you you look like a beautiful person. You receive that because I feel like it's like a boomerang. If you throw anger at everybody, you're going to feel angry. Yeah. If you throw happiness at everyone, it's going to fill you up full of joy. So I think constantly um, – trying to not compliment people because you just want to feel good for yourself, but actually doing it with noble intention. Yeah, a genuine place. Yeah. Um, yeah, noble intention. Um, and, and making sure that you have a positive impact in your life. I think if you feel like you're contributing what you really... It's really hard to find what to do in that sense. Like I think people struggle really hard with 
what they want to do. Like they want to contribute. There's it's like the mass of men that live lives of quiet desperation. Yeah. Um, it's they're desperately trying. They're desperately wanting. They're pleading. They they're on their knees, going like, "What can I do? How can I do it?" Um, well, like I think it's really important to be imaginative and just think of the craziest thing. It's like if you could wave a magic wand and make a positive impact in any way, what would you do? Mm. And then it's like, oh, well, I do all these things. So it's okay. These are from Peter Grant as well. It's like the reality that you just created is as real as the one you're worried about. Yeah. You know, you're worried yeah. about not finding one. You you just created one. Yeah. But yeah. really believe in that. Like have that woo-woo belief. It's like I think you need to woo yourself into a place at times and go like, well, I don't have any money. I don't have any anything setting up. No, no, but you believe. If you believe and then you create action, mm-hmm. you can change your environment. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, what uh, this is on a personal note for me, just to add to that, is like COVID hit and it was in some areas great, in other areas it kind of caused problems, as it did for everybody. But my entire direction in life has changed dramatically because I graduated from university in 2020, started working my dream job in the film industry to then achieve certain milestones and was given small opportunities to do so. Fabulous. Then the lockdowns really, really happened and the whole industry went kaput. Then a lot of rules and other things came into place with mandates and da-da-da and I had to take a step away. And then it took me from then until a week ago to readjust and to take steps every week to try and figure out what am I going to do? Mm. What am I going to do? Um, This is one of the things. Mm. But then the other thing is, uh, you can see on my laptop, I'm doing a course within jujitsu. Yeah, awesome. Because I'm going to try I'm, I'm working my little butt off to be a coach yeah awesome. now i'm only going to coach little kids because i've just started my journey within this martial arts myself but um yeah. positive reinforcement with kids you know they yeah. try something it might not be move for move perfect but it's uh you know hey buddy good work you got yeah. this yeah. um but because i'm taking steps towards it i thought you know okay financially i'm not where i want to be Mm. emotionally physically i'm not where i want to be but every single day i try to do something yeah and then i got my coach on to do a podcast with me and i just said this is what i'd like to do Mm. and the door's now been opened for me wow and they've said here's a course um you need to do this 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 before you can actually come and work and coach wow but what is it that you want and i told them um and they just said that you that's exactly the right attitude. Welcome. Yeah. And now I feel like I've got to a place where I wanted to pee, but I didn't know what that place was. All yeah. I knew was I need to take small steps every day. Yeah. Towards something. Yeah. And bettering myself in some way. And then bam, here it is. The answer came. I'd say thank you, Jesus, because I pray nonstop. But yeah. it um it happened. Yeah. And I didn't know I needed it. Yeah. Do you know that makes sense? Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And I think a lot of people, I think you need certainty and you need uncertainty. But in the uncertainty, you need to fill it with faith. And a lot of people don't know how to do that. 
But in having that uncertainty, I think where it's like, ah, oh, like I like to think of it, you're standing in a, uh, in like a mud puddle um, of quicksand and you can't move. Mm-hmm. And there's fog all in front of you. You know, there's a, I like to call it a near distant mountain. You know, there's a near distant mountain, but you don't know how to get out of the mud and you don't really know what you're looking at. You just first need to get your feet out of the mud, right? And then eventually the, the mist will clear and you can see the mountain. There's going to be lots of little hills on the way. Maybe that's teaching jujitsu, starting a podcast. Or maybe this is the near distant mountain. Yeah. But you've got to have those little mountains in between. And I think even when you're at your mountain, you need another near distant mountain. You have to. Constantly you keep having pushing. little goals and big goals. Because I think a lot of people plateau in that, in that state where they've got this huge goal. And Tyson Fury is a good example. He wanted to be world heavyweight boxing champion of the world. Yeah. Um, and um, he was training, training. That's all he did in his whole life. And he said he got there and he said, I was depressed. He said, a week yeah. out, I knew yeah. I was going to quit. I became the world heavyweight champion. Um, and he said, I was depressed. I was sad beyond measure. He just didn't know what was wrong with him. But he, and he went into drugs, alcohol and abuse. Well, maybe, and this is just my assertion, that maybe he didn't have a near distant mountain. Maybe he didn't have another goal. No. And now he has strong belief in, um, in Jesus. In Jesus. Yeah. And he has, I think that's also important, a spiritual connection, whether that's with thyself, whether that's with any religion. Um, and having that, but also having more goals, you always got to be chasing. It's like Matthew McConaughey said, he's like something to look forward to, something it's to a look better me to. in 10 years' time. Yeah. That whole speech he did was that so brilliant. That is amazing. That speech is one of the best speeches i've ever heard mm. but in saying that it's like yeah oh no not even close it's like i mean 10 years and then 10 years again because you've always got something to go to it doesn't mean you're not content and satisfied yeah but it means you've you the wheels keep going there's another road you know there's another mm. way to keep going i think yeah. if you get stuck well, it's like yeah well, everything's going to break down on the car and that's the thing it's like you got to keep what and it it doesn't have to be significant well it can the insect the Things that are insignificant are quite significant. It's like what makes your whole day up. Well, yeah. The big things that you wanted to plan out too is as you were driving around, you spoke to different people and, and they made you feel blissful. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's chiseling away at the stone, little rock by little rock to, to slowly knock down the big wall. Yeah, completely. Mm. So with, with your mentor, um, the shaman, Yeah. What, what's kind of the biggest things that he's taught you so far other than like <sighs> listening? And don't judge. Yeah. Everything. Um, so much came from him. He changed my whole life. I went there with a friend of mine went there um, and he was just coming back liberated. And I've always been quasi-spiritual, I guess. Um, and not, I'd always believed in everything. I like to call myself an, om, an omnist. I believe in omniism where the truth lies within all religions. And I believe in all of them in some sense um, mm. because I think they all have a huge purpose. But... I've always been open-minded. So my friend went and did um, this course and um, he was just coming back. We used to hang out at his house every afternoon and he used to come back and he was just so happy, like so genuinely happy. And I was like, wow, this is creating a huge impact within him. And we were all seeing it, feeling it, like energetically. Like his eyes were like wide open. It's like he'd finally felt his own heart. Um, And it was really inspiring. And he offered me to come up and just take part in it or just to see what it was. And I had not, no aspirations. I had no yeah, um, what, what does it look like? Like as a, cause I know about ayahuasca and, and what goes on in South America with those amazing uh, shaman experiences yeah. and stuff. But uh, I've never, I've never thought of 
um, I could say our culture in Australia yeah. with our Aboriginal culture yeah. have the same sort of way in which they do that. So it's all through ritual process. So I got there, right? And then, and I'll explain the ritual process. I got there. It is a big property in Avoca Beach, but it's like out the back. It backs onto a massive national park. Beautiful. Like I've seen eagles there, all array of birds. I've seen a massive diamond python. Like it's just profound and it works with the totemic system. And when you start working with that stuff, like animals, uh, signs and frequencies, and they will show you things like some people, so people have different totems. And say it's the kookaburra. When you're performing rituals, they will start going off. And, like, you'll see eagles. Mine's the eagle. And you start saying, and you're like, what the hell? You realize how connected you are when you really have faith in it, I guess. But so I I showed up, met him, and he's a, he's like 6'5". Like, he's a big man. He would have been so scary in, in the military. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, but he's so, like, kind and warm, and he gives you these big bear hugs. And... Straight off the bat, I didn't even think this was... I didn't know what I was coming to. He goes, okay, do you want to go down and do a healing? I was like, what a healing? I'm like, all right. I didn't really know what that even meant. Yeah. So we go down into the bush and there's a thing called the rounds, right? Um, so it's like lots of different little tree stumps that you could sit on in a circle. Um, and he goes, go around the rounds and pick a stump where you feel intuitively called to. So I go around and I have no idea what I'm doing, right? And I sit in a place that's called the north for the um, cardinal points. So there's like north, mm. south, east, west. And the north is a place of challenge. Um, and I sat down and I was terrified. I couldn't even look him in the eye when I showed yeah. up. I was a completely different person. I can person. imagine it would be so confronting. Yeah. So different to what we as Westerners have been taught. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'd never, I think I'd seen a psychologist once in my life when I was younger. So I didn't even, I was like, who's this guy? I'm like asking me these weird questions. Like sit down there. He's like, yo. He's like, what are you pissed off about? And I was like, I'm not, I'm not pissed off about anything. No bullshit. Yeah. And he was, he didn't, like, he was kind of just like challenging me on things. And I was like, oh, what the, like, what the hell's going on? And he said, what's your relationship with your grandmother like? And what's the relationship with your father like? And I was like, they're terrible. Um, and then instantly I thought of a memory that it triggered like paranoia and like on all levels. I watched this really terrifying movie that my grandmother didn't make me watch, but it was on this TV. Um, and he's like, and I was like, how does he know that I don't have a good relationship? Um, and then we kind of spoke about it. And that place is usually for anger, but there wasn't anger there in me. It was more sadness. And he laid me down on a rug um, with my head facing in my head in the south, which is the place of the ancestors um, and my feet in the north. And so I laid down there and the way that shamanism works is you really embody your totem. So it's like the indigenous shamanism from yeah. here, from Australia. Um, and so they walk around in a circle and his is the bear because he's he learned from the um, American Utah people in mm -hmm. Northern America first. So he embodies the bear um, and he's like, rrr, 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 like walking around me and I'm going, what the hell is this dude doing? Is he growling? Like I've, I've never experienced this. And then he's growling around me and I'm like, all right, like kind of like, <laughs> oh, whatever. And then he jumps down on the floor, he puts one hand on my on my forehead, like around my third eye and one hand on my heart. Like, and I'm like, oh God, like what, what the hell is he doing? And then he's, he's like looking into a thing that we call the soulscape. So you look at the landscape of the soul. Um, and so he's got his hands on me and um, he's like growling and snarling because it really embodies that, you know. Um, and then he was saying, I can see a rabbit and it's jumping into different holes and it doesn't really know where it belongs. It doesn't really know where it wants to go. And that was me. And 
the thing is when you're doing and performing this work, you don't really understand what the hell you're saying. Things no, you've got to trust. You've got to trust, trust it. And you just got to say it, right? So you could be like, there's a tree and there's 10 snakes in there and a lion. But it's like that doesn't mean anything to you. But to whoever's on the ground, it's profound and they know what's going on. So you just run with it. And for me, I was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, that's me. I don't know my purpose. I don't know who I am. I don't know my path. I don't know where I'm going. I really want to make an impact, but I don't really know how. And so that's kind of what he was describing. And then he said, now there's this big eagle, funnily enough, the eagle's my totem. Um, and it's like snatch the rabbit, all these different things. And then he looks at your river of life, which is like the flow through your energetic body. Yep. Um, and so he's touching on different spots and releasing that. He goes, there's a huge rock within your center. And the eagle came and picked it up. So it's all metaphorically speaking and kind of narrative which is like the playful aspect of it. But the profound stuff is when they're tapping on your body and they're touching you because there's a thing called physioneurosis, which is actually in neuroscience. And that's the body needs a physical experience to move through mental psycho psychological problems and yeah. psychological um, like uh, experiences through your nervous system, right? Yep. So that's what he's doing. He's touching and moving energy around. And it seems woo-woo, but my God, it's when he picked that rock up and went like that, grip my my stomach and my clothes and pulled it out. I was like, it was like a gushing feeling of like release. I was like, oh my God, like, wow. Like what the hell just happened? And I was like, I opened my eyes. It was like, I, it was like um, euphoric. Everything was color, like colorated. It was just really profound. And I kind of didn't understand what was going on. Um, got up, they say a prayer of intention at the end, say thank you. Um, and we left and went to the beach and it was like, I was like, what the hell just happened? Like, what? where did I come into? What did I just experience? But I felt amazing. And then over the course of the next few days, because they're four-day workshops, we stayed there and I watched this workshop with this group and I watched the rituals and the love and the aspect of a community and how a community works and bonds. And I felt like I'd known these people for a couple of days and I'd connected with them more than anyone I've ever connected with in my life. And that to me to see that community aspect to see the love and to really know what it feels like to be yourself even if it was a few days it was a huge shift where it's like oh wow this is how i really want to feel this is the impact i really want to create and the contribution to society that i want to have um that changed my life forever and in the group at the last day i was i was nervous and i was like i want to be a part of this group so bad and this guy nick looked at me and he's like at the very last minute before everyone was leaving he's like you want to be in our group hey and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah kind of. Please. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to ask Orion. And then Orion's like, if he wants to be in the group, you can be in the group. And I went on from there and I started doing the workshops. Mm -hmm. I've been friends with him for about three years now and he's mentored me in so many different ways. I sit in all his workshops. I help him out with the workshops. And, yeah, it's changed my life forever. Like I never wanted – I always said when I was really young to do psychology, but I never really was like – it was kind of thing that you say like, oh, yeah, I'd do that, but – it mm. wasn't really anything. Yeah. But now it's like, wow, that's really where my impact is. I think I want to help people. Because I've experienced heaps of trauma um, through family, through life. Um, and I've come out the other side and it's like, wow, these are my, um, these are my abilities to give out to the world. And I'm yeah. grateful for all those experiences. I think people are like, oh, my God, that must be so hard having things you like can that harness it, right? Yeah, I can harness it and actually be appreciative. I'm actually so happy that I went through a lot of shit. Because it's like I have so much compassion for people now, yeah. so much love for them. Yeah, most people who have gone through the worst things in this world have such a capacity of 
yeah. love yeah. and understanding another person's soul. Yeah. Right? Actually seeing them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the best actors are the ones who have gone through shit. Yeah, <laughs> Those, totally. When you watch them, they're living it. They're not yeah. just acting. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I guess that's the thing. It's like you see it because you felt it and you can be that and you can be there for them. It's like we call it the wounded healer. Is I don't I like to think it is one of the best healers because you've been there and you can really relate. It's like you go to a psychologist that's never really been through anything. He might be able to really help you for sure and I'm totally open to that. But I think if you go to someone that's been through things, they energetically feel that a lot stronger and they're – that life experience is invaluable, you know, and there's nothing that can match that. Yeah. So I remember you saying that you were working, we don't have to talk about it, but you're working on a um, question-based document in which you can give to people and that they can work their way through it to help themselves. Yeah, so I'm actually working, I've, I've, written, out, I've written some stuff here that I can maybe expand on. Um, but I'm working on a men's group program. That's like a transformational program. Mm. So it's for, like, I like to think that it's targeting the mass of men that live lives of quiet desperation. The men that are feeling, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel sad? Why do I have overwhelming depression? Why, like, why is this, not, not why is this happening to me, but why is it happening? Mm. Right? Yeah. Um, why don't I know my purpose? Why, um, can't I get to where I want to be and why do I keep experiencing these things, right? And how, like how do I get there? That's that's after. But it's more for the people that don't know why and they're suffering and they've gone through other psychologists or gone through anything and they just, they want to get the wheels moving and they don't know how to get the framework up. So I kind of, I, well, I have written a whole program. I'm actually going to um, release that and start um, giving it out to the public soon mm. and start marketing myself for that i guess um but i found a place i'd like to start running them in september it's going to be between 10 to 15 people it's going to be a four to six week program where we work once a week for two hours um and it's about changing the perception on how you view yourself how you view the world um and how your perception is projection right like how often do you practice to be happy like, yeah. And that's a hard thing to say, and I know that might be really triggering, but, like, seriously, like, you're always sad all the time. How often do you practice to be happy? So, like, what makes you happy? Oh, well, I kind of just sit around. And I understand that. Like, people can get stuck. But, like, seriously, how often do you practice? Oh, I don't. Or it's like, oh, okay, well, well we need to start. why not? Yeah. And, and what can we do to change that one step at a time? Yeah. And it's, it's, so it's, what did I write here? It is, so, like, your four steps from becoming the person you dream of being. It's through changing the events and circumstances or situations um, that that leads to interpretation. So that's how you view things. What's your belief around it? If you have a strong belief that it's going to happen, which creates behavior, you know. So chosen situations slash precise choices acted out equals change behavior equals new environment equals new experiences equals new opportunities. So you need to change the behavior. But first, we need to become aware of what our behavior is. So it's like oh, I always go out and drink with my mates and I feel terrible. Well, that's a behavior trait, right? What's causing that? What's the causative factors? Awareness then practice, but there's a lot of awareness first. So really becoming aware of, okay, well, these are the thoughts I say to myself. This is what I do. This is how I procrastinate. Um, and some people might already figure that out, but and then they need the how. But I'm going to take them through a program where 
I'm just the man that, that walks the mountain and I've walked the mountain, right? Mm-hmm. You can get up to the top of the mountain. You might have to zigzag and it might take you a few days. Or I have one path that I've gone and that's a path that I want to guide people. I'm no guru. I'm no sage. I'm just someone who's been to the top of the mountain and come back down, right? Yeah. So I'm going to take them through my path. But it's not where you have to do this, you have to do that. It's all the accountability is going to be on the person and I'm just there to help and guide, right? So there's questions and breaking down of what it means that what awareness is really and um, how to understand it and create awareness into emotional intelligence. Yeah. And then once you have emotional intelligence, you're like, okay, well, these are all the factors that have been um, keeping me stagnant, keeping me in this place. Well, how do I, how do I get there? Okay, well, we're going to go through these questions and you're actually going to answer them yourself. And if you have a block and like, I don't know what this is, well, I have techniques to work around that and I'm going to help them and guide them, but I'm not going to tell them what to do. It's like, that's, I feel like that's so empowering because the onus is on them. The realization is on them. It's all on them, but you help them through that. And I think people don't know, people will probably ask themselves these questions subconsciously all the time, but they've never answered them Yeah. or they've pondered and they need someone to ask them. And then they go, wow, it's just different when you get asked those questions and I guess I want to create community. I want to create bonds as people. I think we're mammals and mammals what? And they need community and people are lacking community. So yeah. to find that and I really want the, these people to stay as a community um, and I'd like to have monthly meetups where we go for a walk and maybe we go for a run or we do anything. But that's up to them what they want to do. You know, it's I want to create that and then I hope that each group that I have can come back together and then they can bond and they can keep forming, keep growing um, and then it's like, okay, well, you guys can, like, I want to create a page, a group, and then they go do stuff independently. And it's like, oh, my God, wow, you have each other. You all went through this process of transforming, and now you have that group. You can rely on them and create even further friendships with them. So that's kind of my aim for it is I think because I've been through programs where it's like, oh, my God, this is amazing, but I was in, like, enlightened, quote, unquote, um, felt a lot better. Um but I was like, where do I go from here, right? I just didn't have the framework. I was like, yeah, yeah well, it got me to feeling good, but it didn't get me to a framework of how I was going to get the next step, the action. So I'm actually going to create a framework for them. So they're going to write out how they want to change, whether that's sadness to happy, mm. whether that's to be angry to calm. Like that is huge change. Um, or whether they, they want to act upon something, but they don't know the steps. So I'm actually going to take them through a steps, step through step to step um, structure where they're going to write everything out. And it's obviously on them after to follow up with that. And if they want to continue to work with me, I'd be more than happy to coach them. I'd offer them to go see a coach if they want to continue it. It doesn't have to be through me, mm. but it's getting them to a point where like I've got everything to act upon it. I just need to act yeah. and do it. That's great. Mm. Damn. Wow. I hope it changes the world, honestly. Yeah, I, I just hope it changes some people. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people will be drawn to it, but it's the same thing as, as anything. They um, Some people pick it up mm. and run with it for the rest of their lives. Other, it helps them for a moment. Yeah. It's individual uh, brains and uh I'm going to say egos, that's the wrong thing. Yeah. What do you call it when someone... Like you and me, were different. Like, yeah. What's that word? I'm not going to add this in. I'm going to cut this out. <laughs> Authentic? Like personalities. Yeah. Different personalities are going to come towards it and some will work, some won't. Yeah. But you're doing it for those who 
will work for. It's perfect. It's great. Yeah, and I guess even if it helps them for a moment, they I, f- I think. But once that's another step that they've yeah, taken. Yeah, and once you create awareness, you don't lose it. No. And you know what? It's like, say you become aware of all your actions and you keep acting upon them. They are going to punish you for the rest of your life until you change. Big time. You know, forever. And that's yeah. that's the best thing about it. Not because it's going to do that to them, but it's like your avatar, like Jim Carrey's is like, your avatar wants you to change, you know, just paraphrasing him. It's like you have to change. Why? Because you're not being really who you are. You're being the there's um, cultural conditioning, there's cultural programming, and it's like you need to undo that. I think we come to this place and... We need to um, reverse engineer who we are and we mm. need to recondition the engine. Yep. You know, and that's a huge process in our own evolution. I think that's like spiritual evolution um, and figuring out our own individuality within the world. And it's like, yeah, it's great who I am, but why am I who I am? Well, that's because everybody in my community does this is because that's what my family did. And, yeah. And like they're all great. It doesn't mean like... Uh, completely disconnect from it but what's empowering you what's making you feel good and oh well, I actually really lean towards this and that's who I feel like I was but because everybody in my community did did that I never actually challenged myself in it I never actually ran with it but now it why does it keep coming in my mind well maybe we just need to do it yeah yeah completely yeah that's great I'm at um like I'm now thinking I'm so lucky I had a family that said do you want to learn the lesson now or do you want to go through it another 10 times do you get it through your thick skull <laughs> right and i just went i want to learn the lesson now and they went well okay yeah pray mm. figure out what's really going on mm. uh which i did and then you go oh this is what the issue is and i learned my lesson and i'm i moved on yeah. like I, I never went backwards again wow. and how many lessons like it's a lot yeah you, you think to yourself you know, you learn one lesson in life and yeah, okay, you learn it. And then two weeks later, you're facing another situation and you got to learn again. It gets really boring, <laughs> like and constant exhausting. and exhausting. But hey, that's life. Mm. But at the end of the day, at least I didn't have to learn the same lesson twice. Yeah. You know, at least every time it's a new life lesson, it's a new experience. Yeah. Yeah. But I only had that because, um, like I said, I had family who gave me that framework that you're talking about and i got that framework through my faith in christianity because i mean the bible honestly tells you exactly what you should do and how you should think about life and it is going to be hard but hey guess what you know you've got the god of gods in my opinion um walking by your side who you scream out to and say help yeah and he's going to be there and he's not going to pick you up and and take you out of the fire. He's going to yeah. stand in the fire with you and look at you and say, hey, I'm going to make you stronger. Yeah, totally. And I'm going to give you the answers you need to stay in the fire, but also feel safe yeah. and feel confident that you're going to come out of this ready to kick ass. Yeah, totally. Right? Which is a big concept for a young teenager to get. But now, 35, like I get it. Yeah. And it's like, what's the most... Um, uh, what's the word? It's... um. What's the strongest and most powerful sword? The one that's been in the fire and bent backwards and bent forwards a hundred and thousand of times. Yeah. So it's like you've got to go through the fire, you've got to go through the ringer. And with that, like how you say you're so connected to your faith with Christianity, for people who are like an atheist or people who don't believe, believe in yourself. 
have that self-belief within you. So it's like I I love and I think it's so important to have faith in something. Like I don't care what it is. It's just you need to believe in something. But if you don't believe in Anything. any God, believe in you mm. and empower yourself. It's like, no, I, be- I believe in me and, and like it's hard to disconnect it from any sort of spirituality, but your spirit within you, your you say your consciousness, your mind and really empower that. So it can empower you. Yeah, you, you I mean, I think everybody is wanting to find something that is bigger yeah. than themselves. Mm. When I say them, than themselves, I mean that spirit that you're talking about yeah. is longing for something more. Yeah, and right to let to hold on to. And yeah. if you don't have any self belief, self belief, yeah, um, then you are lost. I think like you just. Yeah. You don't know what you're living for. You're like a rabbit jumping mm. down a million different holes trying to figure out where you fit in the world. Yeah. But then you connect with your soul. You yeah. connect with your soul. Yeah. And that, right. That and your be... soul says, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like I've been here the whole time waiting for you and me to meet. Yeah. Um, I'm soul. Oh, hi. I'm Lex. Yeah. <laughs> and let's start walking this journey together. Yeah. And it's kind of really important. And it depends. Uh, it it can vary that connection. It's like you might play tennis and you're so grounded. That's connecting to your soul. Like surfing, just being in, in the bush. Like like people think that that sort of belief or sense of different spirituality has to be like this dedicated practice. Like it's whatever you connect with yourself mm. within whatever realm that is. And I think it's it's just finding that connection because life is what? It's a, it's a bunch of feelings. Yeah. It's a bunch of different feelings, a bunch of different highs and lows. It's just... What makes you get to that height? What makes you feel like you're at a at a good pace? That you're at a good place, um, and you're constantly cruising, and you're feeling joyful, happy, and and experiencing it whole. Yeah, I'm 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 really looking forward to um, within jujitsu, right? I think we were saying at the very beginning. I don't know how to switch on, and. Um, be so deadly focused like we were talking those guys in the latest ufc fight were doing their ritual movements a little bit like muay thai kickboxing yeah. they enter the ring and they do their dance which gets them like really focused and ready to kick ass and i find myself trying to do that when i'm about to roll with somebody and then i end up making a joke or just being the funny guy while we're in the middle of something and i snap out of it I hate myself for it. <laughs> and I know why. It's because I just don't know enough yet in terms of skill level and yeah. training that rather than pretend like I know exactly what I'm doing and then lose, yeah. I'm going to give up and or switch off and disengage because that's easier. It's yeah. like a way out of it. Like mm. it's, a, it's an emotional way out of it. And I can't wait for that to change in terms of training getting more confident that when i switch on yeah i'm breathing i'm relaxed yeah and i don't disengage i keep going and going and going until i absolutely lose or i absolutely win yeah i'm looking forward to that transition but everything i've been through in my life allows me to understand that it takes time yeah to find that peace and serenity within any situation i can't wait it's exciting yeah, it's it would be so liberating, and I guess that's like a defense mechanism. It's like I, oh, big time! You know that they're gonna beat you. So like, well, if I let them beat me, well, then I don't feel as bad that they beat me because I just gave up. Yeah. Instead of just like and actually that. give a hundred percent and not stopping. 
I think it's good how you said you you try to be the funny person. I think when you're when you're rolling and doing these things, like I I, I do judo myself. And yeah. When I'm rolling with people, um, there's this one guy called Boris. He's such a beast. And whenever he rolls with me, he's like he's like twenty kilos heavier than me, and he's an animal. And I just know he knows as well. He's such a nice guy, but he's just such a beast. And he just smashes me. And I kind of do the same. I'm like, oh my god, he's just gonna pummel me. And I kind of just. Not let him have it because I'm still trying, but there's like that doubt where yeah. it's like I feel like I have no chance in the world of beating him. He just overpowers me every time. Joe Rogan sort of speaks about this, and I strongly believe this as well in judo because I've been judo is a lot more standing up where you're yeah. throwing them. And when I go with people who are um, not as good as me um, or easier, like lower belts, and I'm throwing them all the time, I'm actually getting the best repetition in because I'm practicing those moves. And when I go with someone hard. I'm like on the defense the whole time. I mm. might get a couple of entries, but I don't really get the technique. Yeah. As when I'm with people who, not smaller, but you're overpowering them and you're really working them and you're just getting reps, reps, reps. And Joe Rogan speaks about it. A lot of Brazilian, um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu people talk about it as well. And they say it's more important to go with blue belts than black belts because, yeah. because of that repetition and because of that practice. And it might seem a bit monotonous and sometimes you might feel bad because you're just dominating them. But you're getting yourself up to another caliber. Yeah, you are. And that's why you just commit to it. Yeah. I found this thing from the website. Um, it's called Nature is Metal. Yeah. Oh, my God. Have you seen it? I was it? looking at that this morning with my girlfriend. Yeah. We were going, this is just ruthless. Like, On Instagram, Nature is Metal. Like you've got footage of, what was it? A kookaburra. Yeah. I had one on my balcony yesterday. And I was just looking at it so differently because it was eating a rabbit. Yeah. Oh my God, up there. No, like on on, on oh, metal. Right, right, right. Someone had filmed it up in a tree, just destroying a rabbit to pieces and eating it. And then I had one on my balcony and I just thought, you are an evil little yeah. shit that I never knew that was in you. And I love it. It's like, okay, wow. Yeah. Nature is barbaric. Yeah. And here we are trying to be really polite and yeah dumb down what we do and it's like do you realize that if you do that we're going to be screwed because nature will come after us <laughs> yeah and even just how people like people eat meat like we just go to the supermarket yeah we pick our meat and we go home and have no idea where that's come from like you don't know yeah. the process that it takes to go out and hunt something which i've never done i have friends that do it um to go out like shoot something with a gun or a bow and, and cut it. that animal up, mm. throw it in a bag, like all its mu- like meat and muscle yeah. and everything, and then carry it out of there and look at what you've just done. It's like that, if everybody had to do that, like I think they'd view the world a lot differently. Well, they would. Important. I think they'd have more respect. They'd yeah. have so much more respect for what it is they have, mm. um, how difficult it is to actually survive in the real world. Like when I say real world, I mean... Without the luxuries in it, um, what we have, yeah, every day, yeah, and so like I, I grew up hunting, so I understand it. I didn't appreciate the people whom I was with with my dad. They, in my opinion, they're idiots, yeah, and how they approached it. But now, I looked into trying to do it myself again. Like yeah. what it would cost is so much money to start. Really, yeah, right? But the bow and the bow, the the rifle, the licensing, but even storage, getting a big freezer, getting the right permits because yeah. you, you do need permits, um, you know, specific for game, whatever game it is in Australia. But then, like within the season, uh, let's just say you started to harvest, 
you've got the problem within Australia of like flies and the blow flies that the second they touch the meat, you've basically, your meat's ruined. So wow. you've got to have a massive net or you've got to be in a different environment. It depends on where you are in Australia when you're wow. harvesting stuff. But, you know, you might be harvesting really quickly and then the second you throw it in your bag with the line, the burlock line, lining and everything else, um, your meat's already ruined because flies have got to it. Wow. So it's like, well, what's the point? Yeah. But I'm um, worth it, I think. I mean, to be able to fill your fridge up or your freezer up for like six months oh and not God. have to buy meat. Yeah. But like I think someone said, um, you just can't. It's not sustainable for everybody. If everyone did that in the world, then we really would have zero species alive yeah. because we would we we outnumber them unless it's bugs. And I'm not eating bugs. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I think I've I always wasn't wasn't against hunting, but I never understood it. And then after listening to people talk on it on lots of different podcasts. I was like, wow, these people are actually the most connected to nature, the most connected to the animal yeah. that they're killing. And it brought a sense of awareness where it was like, wow, this is actually quite a spiritual thing for me. I feel yeah. just like someone who has a lot of empathy. And I think if I went out and hunted, I'd probably cry. But yeah. cry out of gratitude. and Gratitude. Like, I'm so grateful and respect. for this animal. But for me, I've got friends that do and I really want to go out with them and do it because I think it's something that I need to experience. And to be able to fill that freezer up and to be able to bring that back home, like that'd be so humbling. Yeah, you're providing for your family yeah. and all that. But I think if you, you'd probably do the same as me. If you were someone who had did it, sorry. If you were someone who was being malicious yeah, and just doing it for the wrong reasons, yeah. you'd probably call them out on it. And yeah. never go near them again. Yeah. And potentially they ruin the entire experience yeah. for you because I think there's just two different groups of people who do this. There's people yeah. who respect nature and want to provide for their family and see it as a better way of sustaining the world. Yeah. Right. And then you've got other ones who just want to go out and shoot and kill because they enjoy and they get off on it. Yeah. And uh, they're the sorts of people I don't want to be around. Yeah, like you even see it, like I like to, I have this this ingrained moment from the movie Avatar when she kills the, yep. those dogs and she sits there and puts her hand on it and you can only imagine that she's saying something like, thank you and yeah. I appreciate you and that she didn't want to kill those animals but it's like you have to because we yeah. need to survive as well but we're here together. It's like that interweb. And know? when I'm dead, you're going to eat me because yeah, I'll be I buried into that. the ground you and know? I accept it. That's yeah. my part of the earth. Yeah, I think it's so important. And I think it's really important that everybody should experience something like that, like to go back to your hunter-gatherer um, state because that's all still within us. That's all still within our a psyche. It's in our DNA, man. You, you can't know? get rid of... Like now they've discovered that humans were or are far older than we thought we were because they mm. found actual skeleton remains that prove, oi, you know, maybe go back another 170,000 years to what you thought that we were yeah. monkeys at the time. No, no, we were fully formed. Yeah. And it's just like, whoa. Yeah, it makes you think how many times a society crumbled, how many times a society got to where we are or further. Like further. who's to say that we're, I think we always love to say that we're the most advanced. Like, by yeah, But what does advanced look like? I mean, just because we've got mobile phones now, yeah. that doesn't mean that, 50, not even 50, like 120,000 years ago, there wasn't something even more advanced than phones. Yeah. Like really, really, like what the hell would that look like? Totally. It's like, like maybe there's that, like even, I don't know what this totally is, so I'm not really speaking about something. I know my girlfriend was talking about it last year. They're doing studies where they use frequency, mm. right, to um, reverse the, the, 
that reverse the conditioning of um, it's not Alzheimer's of Parkinson's and of maybe it was Alzheimer's or something and it's actually aging it and each it, I think it reverse ages it within like two years mm. and that's just frequency so it's like maybe yeah. there's a whole nother realm of things that we don't even understand they say that we only access like what like five percent of our yep, brain basically what's the other 95 percent yeah so it's like is that an energetic thing is that an intuitive thing is that maybe we just don't have enough of spiritual evolution yeah know? we used to rely so much more on that side of stuff yeah and you see that every it's something that i think is really interesting is like there's pyramids all over the world right and they have like pine cones, they have magic mushrooms. I assume they're magic mushrooms or mushrooms. Yeah. And it's like maybe there was this not global civilization, but this global knowing of these are things that can propel us further in our own evolution. These are things that... <laughs> but those things that can really take us to a, a higher place, yeah. a higher power. Um yeah, it's like, what are we missing? Like, there's 100% there's things that we have no idea about that, mm. that are right there. It's like, you look at the pyramids, how they have that one time of the year where the moon will shine the Aquinox is on the Aquinox perfectly. Wow. But every single pyramid in the world, like in Peru and everything else, all have that same alignment yeah. in some way, shape or form. And it's perfect up until, like, it's still when it was made yeah. and the stars and everything else have moved and it's still perfect for another 50,000 years to come or something. Yeah. Graham Hancock, yeah, who is awesome. a journalist, like I love listening to him. I'm reading one of his books, The Ancient Gods or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, Mind-blowing, like the Asadraic Age. I might be saying that wrong. Yeah. But when all that went down, how many civilizations were thoroughly destroyed from the ice caps that were, you know, 20 kilometers high and 40 kilometers long being pushed across entire landscapes because of the floodwaters when the meteor hit how many do you think our cities would have been destroyed and wiped out from existence with that amount of ice coming across us do you yeah. know what i mean it's insane it's as if there's not civilizations that once appeared on maps yeah with like ancient greeks yeah. said that these places existed and this is where they were and then you go and you um look at the experts and they do that digital thing of they type in a specific date and they can see the tidal flow and everything else and they go well there was actually landmass yeah. there back then yeah and it was destroyed because of this cataclysm and even the corrosion you see the corrosion, corrosion. on old thing and you're like this is corroded from water water and there yeah. it's in the middle of the desert what else would have been here you know yeah it's so just, much i think a lot of people it's like that like woo-woo belief it's like well it's possible you know? it is possible and it's not as woo-woo as probably we think no and it, that's what people think would think like why isn't there buildings and cities well like i never thought of it i never knew that it's like even like an a piece of ice came across all the land mm. and just wiped everything out it's probably at the bottom of the ocean somewhere well it's like the amazon man uh, used to have a civilization of hundred thousand plus but then smallpox or whatever from the yeah. spanish hit them yeah they all left the rainforest and then the rainforest within 100 years completely overwhelmed the entire cities wow so when the next explorers came through they went well there's nothing here i don't know what the last guys were talking about wow. it's like no it was a bustling city wow like massive bigger wow. than rome wow more advanced way before rome of course as wow. well and completely gone because uh, gringos decided no not gringos spanish of course it's not gringos they are spanish yeah. but they came through and decimated an entire civilization because of Crazy. a disease 
Yeah. And as well as they think that, I think they know now, I hear in the other podcasts, I don't know enough to completely expand on it, but they think, they say that the Amazon rainforest is from agriculture. Yeah. And the whole thing The soil in the ground is man-made, but they don't know how they actually achieved it, but they've taken soil from that specific part and they've put it in unfertile ground. Yeah. And then that ground has become fertile due to this, but... We can't recreate it. We don't know how. All we know is that it's layers of burning yeah. certain things wow, that the nutrients are then released. But what are those nutrients? Yeah, It's like my mind blows with ayahuasca. I'm never going to do it. But the fact that there's how many different plant oh species God. in the Amazon, but yet they managed to find two that when they put it together creates this thing that resets your brain mm. and shows you that there's something out, out there after death and that there's yeah. another world in which you can be part of emotionally, spiritually. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like, how did they find it? Did they just test every single root system <laughs> and swallow everything and hundreds of people died before they found the right yeah. concoction? Well, they think that the plants spoke to them. Well, that's what they say. That and, makes and sense as, to and me. as well as um, San Pedro, which is the cactus, they say that it's like they're, they're in the desert or they're in the Amazon and they're like, it was telling us what to do. It said, cut this vine and this leaf and... You have to brew it up completely perfect, otherwise you'd kill yourself. Um, <laughs> and it's like, it's so particular yeah. and meticulous. Like the way you have to do it, it's like, how do you... you how did they figure that you out? Know, like that's intuitive. And that shows the intelligence of plants, I think. And I, and how powerful they are. Like even at, like mushrooms mm. as well. Um, like there's a thing that me and my friends were talking about and it's maybe mushrooms... It's like a theory. Maybe mushrooms are so evolved that they've come back in another realm of consciousness where instead of living the way we do through life, they just live to get experience, to have that one experience when we eat them and then they experience the human experience and they go back into the evolution of life or the circle of life. <laughs> That's kind of a beautiful thought process. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. Because it's like maybe you're not experiencing the mushrooms they're experiencing. The you. mushrooms experiencing you. There's some alien shit yeah. like that. Because they, it's like mushrooms don't need sun. They can grow under things and yeah. they don't expose themselves unless they want to, really. Like they're in particular places. They're really hard to find. It's just so interesting. And they like they have that, it's like that um, interconnected web underneath through the mycelium. And the mycelium, that, like I think three feet of mycelium goes one, like a few million miles mm. or something. And under that web, say there's different families of trees um, if there's a family of trees here and then one of them was um, nutrient deficient or that needs water and needs anything, the other trees will, through the mycelium web, will transmit water, will transmit nutrients and give it to that tree. And they're all talking and connected. They're supporting each other. This is soil. Avatar. And this, this is Avatar. It's like the tree of Iowa. And it goes through everything. And like 60% of the carbon is stored within this web. Yeah. There's so many things about it. There's a... Um, Doc- documentary called Fantastic Fungi um, and Paul Stamets is in it. He's amazing. He'd be a mushroom if he wanted to be. Um, <laughs> like he's just so passionate That's about his totem. It. That's mushrooms. his totem, a mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> but it's incredible. You start to look at it and you're like, wow, like how much more mushrooms are like. He, he goes down to it and it's like our closest ancestor is actually a mushroom more than anything else. And I can't remember exactly how he does that. It's in that film. And you're like, wow, like I wonder like if we're more like fungus than we are like anything else from the evolution of millions and millions of years, right? Yeah. And you're like, the <laughs> it's hell? A, it's a concept which yeah. I could 
happily listen to. Yeah. It's That's interesting. Lovely. It's really okay. Cool. Okay. Well, Tom, I just want to thank you so much for coming on board thank today, you, Max. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's been a pleasure being here. Wanna hear you go?